Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Our message tonight, we're starting a new series on the steps of Paul, and tonight part one is preparing for the call. I'm going to give you a little background here. And so, uh, you know, some of you like history, some of you like dates and numbers, and some of you don't. Don't check out on me if you don't. We'll get somewhere that you like in a minute, and we'll encourage the other people not to check out on me whenever we get to the stuff that is not necessarily as historically, you know, motivating, all right? But uh, let me tell you that, uh, catch you up on the Apostle Paul. And some of you are going to be going with me to Greece here in June, and we'll be uh, taking some of these same steps that the Apostle Paul had taken. And many of you have been with me to, to other places we've been, in Turkey and all around, uh, you know, visiting the sites where the Apostle Paul ministered as well. But before the Apostle Paul was saved, while he was still known as Saul of Tarsus, uh, he spent all of his life and all of his time, as we understand, pursuing an education, a formal education. He wanted to become an attorney. He wanted to become a member of the Jewish court system. And so for that, his family sent him to Jerusalem to study in one of the best, in fact, the best school, the best university, the best education, formal education that you could get as a lawyer in that day of the, in, in the Jewish court system was from a man named Gamaliel. And there, here, we find Paul studying at his feet, pursuing this education. You know, today a person might major in U.S. constitutional law. And I hope, you know, I hope people do because I love the Constitution. But in Paul's day, Paul studied Jewish religious law because it was like the Constitution of that day. It was the law of Moses. And Paul became very, very good. He graduated in the top of his class. And then he got a job uh, uh, as, as one of the chief prosecutors for the high priest and Paul was given great authority, and he was giving letters of authority. Do you know on Paul's word, because uh, you know, Paul could tell if somebody was breaking the law because he knew the law. And if they were breaking the law on his word, they would be arrested on his word. They could be uh, taken from another city or another country and brought back to Jerusalem and have to be incarcerated. And because of his testimony, people were tortured and people were even executed because this man knew. He spent his life learning the law. He spent his life in pursuit of his formal education. And he was one of the most revered prosecutors. In all of that period, Paul knew the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that contained the law of Moses. Paul not only knew the law of Moses, but Paul also was very familiar with the cumulative writings of the courts and, and the teachers and the rabbis that had gone on before him. Because not only is law a science of law, but it's also an art of interpreting that law. And here, uh, uh, 
many earlier court decisions, just like in the United States, would bolster Paul's opinion and bolster Paul's position whenever he was wanting to prosecute someone that he felt was worthy of punishment. Paul was good at what he did. Saul of Tarsus had a very wide reputation at being very good at his job. If he caught anyone breaking the law of Moses as he interpreted it, most likely they were going to spend some jail time, pay some fines, or perhaps uh, even a greater punishment because he knew what he was talking about. Paul was about 30 years old when he was on one of these missions to go and find people breaking the law. He was going to Syria on his way with letters of authority, with credentials. And he ran right into Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, he had that what we know as the Damascus Road experience. If you've not read that, I encourage you, in fact, to read the whole book of Acts. But I encourage you to read about Paul's conversion, what he was going to do, what he said later, years later, at the end of his life, of the things that he had done before he met Jesus and his pursuits of, of, of how he lived his life and, and how he disciplined himself to learn what he had to learn in order to succeed in, in the pursuit of his formal education. With the experience of meeting Jesus, Saul of Tarsus was born again. We began to refer to him as Paul the Apostle sometime after that. He became a believer in Jesus as Messiah. Everything in his life changed. Everything changed. And... and the truth he once believed was overshadowed by the message of the new covenant, the message of grace. All of a sudden, grace made everything that he had learned become clear. All of a sudden, he realized that everything he had learned about God, his whole lifetime pursuits, was overshadowed and, and, and became clear and understandable through the grace that God had offered by Jesus Christ and the blood of sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He realized the law of Moses had been fulfilled by Jesus of Nazareth. What a paradigm change. I mean, what a paradigm change to realize that everything that you have ever learned and everything you have ever done and everything you have ever believed had a greater significance than you ever imagined. That it could be used for such a tremendous blessing. What a, what a paradigm shift that all of a sudden you realize that, that, my, that my life's calling and my life's, uh, uh, you know, uh, all that I have learned does not have to end up hurting people. It could end up helping people. Wow. After the apostle Paul was saved, he continued studying. He spent a few years studying. He spent a few years learning and a few years being taught by the Holy Spirit, and by Jesus himself. All the things that said as he learned, all the things that he had learned in his formal education became subject to the new covenant of grace. Personally understanding that grace trumps law 
and that mercy is greater than judgment was something that he had never seen before. And all of a sudden, Paul, he knew how to teach others. He knew what he could do with his education. He knew what he could do with all the things that he had learned. All of a sudden, things became clear. You know, understanding that, that, that mercy is greater than judgment and grace trumps law is one thing, but knowing how to teach others about it is something else. How can I communicate this to other Jews, he was imagining. How can I tell others who are still trying to please God and earn salvation by doing good works? How can I tell them that they can be saved? without keeping the law. Paul continued to study for years. And when Paul was about 40 years old, a friend named Barnabas went to Paul's hometown in Tarsus, which is in the middle, the central middle of, of uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey today. A friend named Barnabas went to Paul's house and invited him to join the church in Antioch. He said there are a lot of prophets and teachers and other people in Antioch. They know a lot, you know a lot. Come and join the church. So Paul left Tarsus and went with Barnabas to Antioch and joined the church there. And I mean, Paul really got to learning things there. He got to interacting with people that were a lot like him. And Paul uh, rose, you know, head and shoulders above so many of them. In fact, after a couple of years, it, 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 it was so amazing that Paul had come into great respect of the leadership of the church. They had time to watch him and time to listen to him. They realized they didn't have to be afraid of him. He was not that man he used to be, although he was, but he had been sanctified. And all the things that he had done before in pursuit of what he believed, now he understood grace covered the law. And so the church, when it came time to send money from Antioch to Jerusalem because there, there was a great financial need in Jerusalem. And the church in Antioch wanted to help by sending some money to, to people who were experiencing uh, uh, some real hardships. The church leadership chose Paul to go with Barnabas on that mission from the church to take money down to Jerusalem. When they got back, they gave a report. And it was just amazing how that, how that the church continued to see Paul as such a potential for ministry. One day they were praying, you can read about it in Acts 13, and the church was praying and the Holy Spirit told them prophetically separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have called them to. And so the church leadership, they, they acknowledged that. They laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. They prayed and they sent them out on what we call Paul's first missionary trip. 
Paul and Barnabas went around to Cyprus. They went up through Turkey and they went around a few places and, and they told people about Jesus. They established some churches. And then when they got back to Antioch, they gave the report and everybody was so happy. And man, here, you know, Paul had just gotten some real ministry under his belt. Well, later on, there arose a desire in Paul's heart to go again on another missionary trip. In fact, Paul would do at least four missionary trips. Some imagine five. And we are so blessed. Not only was Paul very good at explaining the gospel to Jews, because Jews were following the law, they knew the law, they were raised under the law, they were raised in a certain culture with a certain custom, and so was he. He had claimed everything, and on top of that, he was formally educated. He knew it backwards and forwards, inside and out, upside and down. He knew what he was talking about. He was good at what he knew, very good. But yet, having been born again, he was able to bridge the gap between the Old Testament covenant and the New Covenant in Christ Jesus in such a way that it made sense to the Jews and it also made sense to the Gentiles. As many attorneys might be schooled to not only be able to communicate with people of means but also with people of, of, of a lower socioeconomic group because you never know who the court will assign you or who you're going to have to defend or who you're going to have to interact with and so a part of Paul's education no doubt was to learn how to interact with a lot of different people including Gentiles he knew how to communicate school taught him how to do that and not only that, he must have been naturally good at it. You know, uh, because we have the record. We have the written record in the book of Acts and all the epistles that, that, that Paul wrote. I would say that Paul was a pretty good communicator. Wouldn't you? He even told us that when he was with a bunch of Jews, he could talk to them just like he was a Jew. And if they want to talk about the law, he could talk to them about the law and bring Christ into that conversation. And if he was with a bunch of Gentiles who did not know the law, did not follow the law, had no knowledge of what he was talking about, he could talk with them about things that they wanted to talk about. And he could also introduce Christ into that conversation. In fact, he said that he learned to become all things to all men if by any means he might win some to Christ. To the rich he could talk to them about their wealth. And to the poor, he could talk to them about his poverty. You know, he understood that you had to reach people on common ground. That must have been a part of his formal education. We do know that it was a part of his God-given temperament. He was naturally good at this. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, okay? Because... You are naturally good at something. And no doubt, you have been educated in some arena of life. In fact, I would submit to you that there's something that you are probably better at that comes naturally to you 
than people who really try to do it all around you and you're just good at it. There's something that you were made by God to do. And if you have made the most out of life, or if you would like to make the most out of life, then I would encourage you to get some education in that particular arena. I would encourage you to get some experience. Education does not just come in the form of university degrees. Education comes in the form, many times, of getting your hand on it, <laughs> getting out there and doing it and experiencing it and finding out how, because there's something that you are naturally good at. There's something that you know how to do. And there's something that you would do, and you would do it for free. You do it when you're going to get home. You know, when you get home tonight, you, you probably think, of, you know, you, you might do it till you know, 2 o'clock in the morning because you just enjoy it, whatever it might be. And it fits into some arena of life. It fits into something. Uh, the Apostle Paul was evidently very good at arguing. Some of you may be good at arguing. Some of you may not be any good at it. Maybe that's why you do it all the time, because <laughs> you're not real good at it. <laughs> you know, the Apostle Paul must have been a very good, you know, um, very good at discerning the moment and seeing what the moment needed. And we have records of all of this. You know, he was also pretty good at getting past his past problems and failures and mistakes. We are so blessed and fortunate to have the book of Acts along with the epistles. They provide us with the Holy Spirit-inspired accounts of these precious days, the first days of the church, the first century church, and what God was doing to put together a pattern and an example for every generation to follow. And that's what God wants us to do, in, is, is, is to do what Paul did and fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime. But we need to look and see how Paul did that. What made Paul so capable? You know, Paul knew the law. And Paul's writings teach us how to interpret the law of God through the eyes of grace. He wrote to us that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And, 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 he, and he helped us to understand that, that uh, we need to be very strategic and we need to have a lot of stamina in any area that we choose to go into, in any area of, of, of life that we choose to go into. Uh, if you're going to choose to be a diesel mechanic in life, then you're going to need some patience for turning bolts. You know, my dad was a diesel mechanic. He told me late in life, just, 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 just a year or two before he died, he said, you know, son, until I sobered up, I never realized how much I hated mechanicing. <laughs> what do you want to do? He was a truck driver by heart. That's, I mean, you wind him up and set him down, that's what he wanted to do, you know. Uh, you wind me up and set me down, I, you'll, you'll, you'll find me on a piece of dirt equipment somewhere. If you, you know, uh, if anybody has any dirt equipment, uh, I pay about $120 to $150 an hour for that therapy, if you'll let me on your, in, on your equipment. Uh, but uh, Paul continued to provide clear examples 
of how God used his education and his temperament. You see, God did not ask Paul when Paul got born again. God did not ask Paul, forget everything you've learned. No! God wanted him to remember everything he learned. He just wanted everything he had learned to become sanctified under the hand of God. Because God wanted to use everything that Paul had learned. You know, when Paul got born again, Paul was the perfect man for the job God had for him. This evening I would like to fast forward from Paul's conversion to about the year 55 or 56 A.D., and, and uh, Paul is about 50 years old. He's been saved for about 20 years. And he's gone through quite a lot uh, since that Damascus Road experience. He's, uh, you know, uh, and he is, uh, uh, he's at this point on his second missionary journey. And uh, he spent some years traveling from city to city, Asia Minor, Greece. And uh, uh, he started a lot of churches. He's taught in a lot of schools. He's taught in Ephesus. He taught in Troas. He's taught in uh, Thessalonica and Corinth and Colossae. He started so many churches in so many towns. And uh, he's been in a few jails as well. And he's been beaten a few times. Okay? And he's about uh, you know, 20 years older than he was whenever he got saved. And remember, he spent his whole young life up until about 30 pursuing a formal education in an arena that he wanted and he loved and he enjoyed and he was good at. Every step that he had taken and every encounter that he had experienced has served to prepare him for his next step. You see, life is cumulative. And Paul did not allow one moment, one experience, whether it was a victory or whether it was a defeat, he did not allow one of those to spell the end of his story. He didn't want it to stop right there. He is arguably one of the greatest apostles the church has ever seen. Now, uh, back to A.D. 56, around this time, the Apostle Paul had just completed two years of teaching in a school in Ephesus, a school that he started. And uh, recently some friends had visited him in Ephesus. They had come from Corinth a church that Paul had started, and he had spent 18 months there. Perhaps even close to two years, 18 months just in one spot there. And they had come from that church, and they had come to Ephesus. It took them about a week probably on a boat to get there and crossing the Aegean Sea, stopping at an island or two, you know, to refresh themselves and let people off and put people on, something like a big water taxi, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so... They get to Ephesus, and they come to Paul, and Paul has some other friends there with him, and they begin to give him the report of, this is what's going on in the church in Corinth. This is, you know, this is what's happening with so-and-so, and this is what's happening with so-and-so, and this is what is happening in the church. And the report that they gave to the Apostle Paul uh, was not all that good. They said, you know, the church in Corinth has kind of adopted kind of a party atmosphere. They've gotten a little spiritually spooky. They're, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just a little loose here, and they're kind of like, I mean, it's like, kind of like a big party. Uh, uh, and uh, my words, not his, and, and uh, you know, a kind of anything goes feeling. 
as well, there was some division in the church between groups. Some people were following particular teachers more than they were following Jesus, more than they were following the word that Paul had given, more than they were following the word. They weren't really correctly interpreting the word, but they had their favorite teachers. And there were little groups, and there was some division in the church. And, 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 and finally, uh, uh, they, they told them that, that the world's ideology had been noticeably creeping into the church that the church was becoming a little more socially aware of your, your uh, socioeconomic status, and, and sometimes they would have meals, and they would only invite the people who could actually, you know, provide the food, and the poor people were kind of left out, and they wouldn't wait on them, and they would, you know, and, all, and, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, things were becoming a little more carnal, a little more fleshly, a little less like Jesus, a little more like the world. That was happening in the church. Well, other than that, things were great. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Apostle Paul was ever the teacher, and he's ever the father. And so the Apostle Paul decided that he was going to do two things. First, he was going to sit down and write him a letter. Yeah, I'm going to write that church a letter. You know, uh, I, you know give him a phone call, text him, you know, and send him an email. You know, letters had to be carried. I'm going to write them a letter, and I'm going to address these things with them. And then I'm also going to tell them in this letter that, that this warrants me making a personal visit to come and see them. Because I'm expecting that the letter may or may not be received by everybody. So I want them to know when I get there, I'm going to let them know that, look, I'm serious about this. So <clears throat> for the moment, Paul sits down to write a letter. Now, uh, we have the letter it is 1 Corinthians. Now, isn't it amazing? Think, think about this. How amazing it is that Paul sat down to write that letter to the Corinthian church without any thought that it would go beyond them. He was just probably hoping they would read it. He was probably, his, his biggest hope was most likely that everybody in the church would get to hear what he said. That some groups wouldn't just take them off over there and not let, them, not let these people hear that. Or that somebody else might paraphrase what he said to the point to where it really took you know, the, the real meaning away from it. Now the Holy Spirit has a different idea, of course. You know what the Holy Spirit was thinking. The Holy Spirit was thinking, I will inspire Paul and I will empower these words. They won't just come from his heart, but they will come from the throne of God. And this will be God's intended word, not only to Corinth, but the, there, I will make sure it's preserved with integrity, and I will empower men and women and inspire men and women, not only there in Corinth to copy it down and take it other places, but I will inspire men and women in every generation, in every nationality, in every nation, in every tongue, in every tribe. I will empower, and I will fund them, and I will have this letter reproduced and multiplied and kept with integrity completely throughout all generations so that everyone can read what I am saying to the church through the Apostle Paul. Now that blows me away that we are here tonight with a copy of this letter that's been preserved for near 2,000 years as the word of Almighty God. 
And on top of that, you know, now, if we wanted to know what Charles Dickens meant by what he wrote, probably the best source would be to ask him. You think so? If we wanted to know what Shakespeare meant by what he wrote, probably the best source would be to ask him. Chaucer? Ask him. Right? Guess what? I have the one that wrote this living on the inside of me. Now that's just a pretty good deal. And the Bible says he, his job, is to guide me into all truth. There's one benefit. No wonder people who aren't saved don't have any idea what the Bible is talking about. It makes no sense to them. Well, invite the one who wrote it to come and live in your heart and in your mind and to renew your mind. And he will help you and guide you into all truth. It's still a learning process. It'll still be a growing process. But he will do that. Okay? Now, uh, now the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter, he's going to write the letter, and he doesn't realize that this letter is in preparation for him going there. In fact, he didn't even know it, but he's going to be there pretty soon. He doesn't realize it at this point, but the Apostle Paul is just about to be forced out of Ephesus by this angry mob. And so here uh, um, he sits down. You know, God is, by, by the way, God is all about uh, the step you're taking. He's, God is all about this step preparing you for the next step. Okay? God is preparing. God prepared the Apostle Paul in his formal education. The only thing Paul had to do was to sanctify it. God wanted to use it. God wants to use your experiences. God wants to use your knowledge. God wants to use your wisdom. He wants to use you in what he has spent your whole life teaching you. All it needs to be is just sanctified. Okay? Well, so Paul sits to write this letter to Ephesus. You ready? 1 Corinthians, we finally get to 1 Corinthians, first chapter. All of that to say this. But remember, this is a series. Got to lay the groundwork for who Paul is and what he's doing here with this letter to the Corinthians. Verse 1. This is how Paul starts this letter. Now, bear in mind, he's going to be getting on to them a little bit here. And he, uh, later on, he, he, he's not going to just get on to them. He's going to call them carnal. He's going to tell them to quit. He's going to tell them how they ought to run their marriage, how they ought to run their business, how they ought to run their church. Uh, he's going to tell them how to run their finances. He's going to tell them how they ought to have their church services. He's going, to he's, he, he's going to get in the middle of their business pretty good. He's going to tell them how they ought to be loving. He's going to tell them what love is and what love is not. He's going to, he's going to get pretty straight in this letter with them. But ever the teacher and ever the attorney and ever the guy that knows how to get things across here, he starts by saying this, Paul Reading from the New King James Version. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Called to be. You see, Paul was called to be this apostle before he was formed in his mother's womb. This is what the Bible teaches us. And Paul understood that. Paul knew what Jeremiah said, that before I was formed in the belly, God knew me. And before I had, had, had exited my mother's womb, he had already called me. He had already in his mind sanctified me to be what he called me to be. 
And God had been preparing Paul all of his life, even without Paul's permission, even when Paul didn't know it, even when Paul was on the wrong road. God was preparing him. God is preparing us today. Called to be. This reveals so much about Paul's life. You see, if you want to know what God has called you to do, look behind you and see what he's prepared you to do. It's not hard. If you want to know what God wants you to do, look behind you and see what he has prepared you to do. Because God has been preparing you. Even when you didn't know it and even when it didn't seem like it and even in your worst days and worst nights and even in your greatest victories and and greatest triumph, God has been working in your life to will and do of His good pleasure. He has been handling your life. He has a plan for your life and you will be His choice to do something that you can do and are prepared to do better than anybody else in the world. That's how dynamic God is. He's working on you. Perhaps Paul spent years dedicating himself to his chosen profession. And no one worked harder at school than the Apostle Paul. No one was more capable of understanding and defending the written word of Almighty God than was Paul. God only wanted to sanctify everything that Paul had pursued in his life. Paul thought he was pursuing it for one reason, but God knew why Paul was pursuing what Paul was pursuing. God needed him to know everything he knew. God needed him to experience what he experienced. And all of that knowledge and all of that passion, all of that energy came under the harness of the Holy Spirit. And that's what made Paul so dynamic. Paul loved what he did. You know, everybody loves something. Everybody's good at something. Watch out what you're good at because it might just turn out to be a ministry. Maybe, maybe it's obnoxious and God needs to sanctify it. Hello? Paul's mission in life started long before he was recognized by the leadership of the church in Antioch. Paul's contribution to Jesus and to the mission of the church was found in him giving everything he was and everything he learned to Jesus. When he did that, all of a sudden it happened. Sosthenes was no different. You know, here, here, here verse 1 says, and I'm, I'm here with Sosthenes. You know who Sosthenes was? Sosthenes was the former proconsul to Acacia, where Corinth is. Sosthenes was... Uh, excuse me, not the proconsul, that was Gallio. Sosthenes was the former head of the synagogue. He was the chief ruler of the synagogue in Corinth. I got my Sosthenes and Gallio mixed up. But he figures into the story because Gallio was asked whenever Paul was in Corinth and Sosthenes was the chief ruler of the synagogue. Sosthenes asked Jesus to become his Lord and Savior. That didn't set well. Some other prominent Jews asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And so the people of the town got upset. And they brought the issue before the court. 
And the proconsul Gallio said, I don't want to hear about it. And so instead of them beating Paul, they got Sosthenes out into the marketplace and beat him. Isn't that amazing? They beat. Sosthenes is now in Ephesus. He used to be a week's ship ride over in Corinth. <laughs> he left Corinth evidently because they didn't appreciate it. They'd beaten him up. And, and, and so he left and now he's serving the Apostle Paul. He used to be chief ruler of the synagogue. But do you know what? All the years he spent learning and being educated, Sosthenes, all the years he spent as chief ruler of the synagogue were not wasted. God used those years. All they needed to be was sanctified and brought under the umbrella of the grace and the anointing of God. And when Sosthenes gave his life to Jesus, God used everything in his life. And he no doubt became a teacher in the school at Ephesus that the Apostle Paul had for two years, training up people to go and witness that Jesus is Lord. It's just amazing here how God, Almighty God, is working so diligently in your life every day. He is working in the lives of men and women, boys and girls right now. He is working in their lives, preparing them. And let me tell you of a truth that God does not first have to seek your permission before He begins to prepare your life. God does not need your permission to prepare your life for His work. God's working on you. God is working on your life to be what He needs you to be. He has been working on you. And you are good at what God needs you to do. You are great at it. And whatever you are best at, you best do it for Him. You can let Him into your life. He will sanctify the things that you are great at. And God needs people in every position of life. Whatever it is. If, uh, uh, you know, from, from pro athlete to fisherman. Whatever you do, give it to Jesus. Because He's made you the best choice He has to do something that you can do better than anybody else for Him. That's how you need to see the Word. That's how it unfolded in everyone's life, whether it was Moses, who was prepared by God in the house of Pharaoh to return to the house of Pharaoh with clothes, ministry clothes on. I mean, whether it was, you know, Whoever in the Bible that said yes to the call of God. Esther, she was chosen. You know, Ruth, chosen by God, prepared by God to do. Uh, uh, you know, uh, just name anyone in the Bible. They were, they were hand prepared by God in, a, in, in their lifetime, and they didn't even realize it. He didn't need their position. God does not need your position permission to prepare you for your greatest service to him he's working on you the only thing he needs you to do is what he needed paul to do give your life to him he'll sanctify who you are 
what you are and what you're doing. And he, he will use you in your best gift. He's made something out of you that he wants to use. Your best. Your best is what he wants. Thanks again for joining us for another exciting message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.